welcome to the IABC Amina podcast. I'm Monique Zitnik coming to you from Berlin. With our hectic lives, let's pause. Now is the time to reflect and decide how we will become better leaders now and in the future. And I discussed this topic with Michael Nord and Naomi Jones, both inspirational and inclusive leaders in our region. They had some really practical insights, and I know that you'll love listening to this podcast. Michael is a previous IABC international leader and currently one of our very own IABC Amina board members. He's based in the Netherlands and has over 25 years of professional experience in change communications and is a trained facilitator. I was really interested to hear about some of the techniques he uses in his sessions as a leader to ensure that everyone is included and has the opportunity to contribute. Michael is joined by Naomi Jones, Communications Director at Suez Recycling and Recovery UK. As Communication Director, Naomi is responsible for both the communications and marketing teams for the UK and Sweden. She's an inspirational leader and in 2009 she became Suez's group's youngest ever head of department at the age of 28. I really enjoyed speaking with Michael and Naomi and hope you enjoy their thoughts on modern leadership and their practical tips for those starting, those stepping up, and those refreshing themselves for the challenges of the year ahead. Sit back and enjoy. Thank you so much, Michael and Naomi, for joining me. I feel very privileged to have two amazing leaders sharing their insights with us on the IABC Amina podcast today. I wanted to discuss two key aspects of leadership here. What is your ideal leader right now and how will you be a better leader next year? So to kick us off, Naomi, would you like to start and talk a bit about what leadership means to you and your your leadership journey? Of course. So thank you so much for having me, Monique. Um, I've, I've always thought there are sort of two key aspects to leadership that I, I just think are all the more important now, but probably haven't fundamentally changed. So I think it's about striking a balance between what seem like two quite opposite skills, but those skills are actually very independent and fundamental to each other. And to be a true, brilliant leader, you need to combine both of them. I think the first one is probably what we think of being as traditionally valuable in a leader. So that having that drive and determination and being decisive and having ambition and being strategic and being able to see the bigger picture. And I've read a brilliant article by uh, Mike uh, Myatt, who's the the contributor for Forbes, where he described it as the need for pursuit. So not being sort of satisfied with the status quo, but wanting to pursue something better. Uh, whether that's relationships or change or service. So so that's the first fundamental. But And that's very important when you're in crisis mode. People need to see a bit of that. But then the second fundamental, which complements that entirely, is that emotional intelligence and that focus on relationships. You know, business is about people and it's about relationships. And you, you have to have that ability to read people and work with people and to combine that with your own drive and ambition. And so a big part of this is not having an ego. And so being self-aware and having that humility and having an open mind and not being afraid to change the course of direction you're on is really, really important. And I think that's become all the more visible and important over this period as we've seen people's homes and a bit more about their personal lives, that authenticity, transparency, and ability to have empathy it is really, really important. And so it's hard to get right, but it's really critical to try and combine those two 
seemingly different skill sets, but actually which complement each other really well. And, and why that's important at the moment is that people have gone through crisis phase, they're in regression, and we're trying to help people into recovery phase. But in order to help people out of regression, people need to have their leaders be have a vision, but also have the emotional intelligence to support people out. Mm-hmm. And Michael, do you see it the same way? Yeah, I'm going to pick up on two words that Naomi said. Uh, one is the empathy. I, I definitely feel that we have seen and we are expecting to see leadership being empathetic. And we are all in the same situation. As Naomi just said, we have all seen the cameras of people's uh, bedrooms, home offices. We've seen their kids, their cats, their pets. So we need to accept that this is the new norm and that we are, as employees, we are vulnerable and we also need to see our, our leaders as vulnerable. But on the other hand, we also need our leaders to be visionary. Mm-hmm. We need them to help them show us what is the way out of this and, and what do they expect from that new normal that hopefully will happen once we've all been vaccinated or that the numbers of new cases are such at a low stage that they, we're not at risk anymore and we can start doing the things we, we used to do. And I think even the used to do is something that we need to have big discussions about. Are we going back to big offices, big plants, big uh, shops, etc.? Big cruise ships is something I really question. Um, but we also need to think about what is the what is the future of our companies. I think with the air being brighter, cleaner, we could hear the birds, we could see the sky. We also realized that in the beginning of the pandemic, at least here in Western Europe, we didn't travel, we didn't commute, and that actually meant that our environment in Western Europe became so much better. And I think it's propelled us to think, what do we need to do to become a greener society, to have less impact on the climate, have a better way of, of capturing CO2 or, or lowering CO2, find a way of reusing plastic, reusing uh, all kinds of materials and not just buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. So I think we need leaders who are also thinking about the future into their plans. And, and I'm seeing great examples of it, but I think we need to do much more. And I think leaders also need to ask questions of their, their staff and their employees. What can you do? What can we do together? And, and asking those questions actually talks to the vulnerability that we also need to leaders to show. Uh, leaders don't have all the questions, uh, or sorry, all the answers to all the questions, but they need to ask those questions of other people as well. And we need to work together more. I think the collaboration is something that's really been emphasized when we're used to working, many of us, in an office where we just walk over to someone's desk and we collaborate. Now the collaboration method needs to be different. There are a lot of great tools out there, but how do we use them? How do we utilize them to the maximum effect of the vision and mission of the company? So what I'm hearing is, that, and what I've also personally seen and experienced is there's a lot of change that leaders have just gone through and will need to go through in the very near future to keep their companies and their people, more importantly, on the right track and looking at that future that you're talking about, Michael. Now, Michael, do you want to talk a little bit about just your own personal leadership journey? Um, you're very much on the thought leadership side and, and have a lot of experience there. Could you just take us through some of your changes and, and shifts that you've personally gone through? Sure. Um, so 
I became a leader at a quite young age because I was a volunteer leader, leading voluntary organizations and voluntary boards and committees. And I think it it, it forms you a lot at, at an early stage if you see how you can work together with people, how you can get the best out of others, how you can listen, and also how people sometimes look to you for that vision of what are we going to do next and how are we going to achieve our targets and goals as, as an organization. And that's always stayed with me, that working together, listening to people, having conversations with others. I don't know everything, and I'm, and I'm very clear to say to, to my, my, my colleagues, my teams, that I don't know everything, but let's work on it together. Let's use the, the best in you and the best in me, and together we'll be able to, to find a solution and, and move forward. And I definitely really hone in on this collaboration. I think there are a lot of opportunities where we bring the best of us, our skills, our experience, our knowledge, our know-how, and we bring and pull that all together, I think we achieve great results. And I think that's part of my leadership style. And also it's about showing up, I think, right now with, with all of us, many of us working from home. I think it's on, about putting on the camera, showing people who you are, where you are, uh, what you look like. Uh, the challenge right now with Zoom and, and Teams and other calls is that we don't see the body language. We may see the head, but we don't see the body language. Um, so we need to ask more questions. We need to listen more to understand what's really going on in people's minds and heads. Thank you, Michael. And um, Naomi, you've also had a really interesting journey, a leadership journey from a, quite a young age. And you and I have previously also talked about the vulnerability aspect, which is that Michael was talking about that's come up more frequently later um, later on in the journey. Could you talk us yes. through Yes, definitely. Yeah, similar to Michael, I became a manager of a, a sort of uh, mid-sized team at 23, and I was uh, appointed as a head of department in my current role, you know, managing a large department at 28. And I hope that that was due to the fact that I'm good with relationships and I am also good at delivering things. But but it has been a journey, and it's definitely been an uh, up and down one uh, with a lot of learnings along the way. And I think that's really important when we look at leadership. I think when you think you're a perfect leader and you've got nothing else to learn, then you're no longer a leader. Leading well requires a continuous journey of personal development. And I've had bumps, you know, along the way where my teams have fed back that I was being a bit overly collaborative and they needed to see my vision more. And I've also had the opposite feedback where, you know, I went a bit too directive. And so trying to get, you know, in the middle and and really you know, honing in on what your personal leadership style is, 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 is so important. And, you know, I think along the way, I've got a lot more comfortable with that. I think, as you said, Monique, you know, when we chatted previously, particularly in the early part of my career, I thought I had to wear a pinstripe suit and I had to echo those above me and I had something to prove. And I think we have seen that although there are some fundamentals to leadership, it, it comes in many different ways and, and being yourself and as Michael said, being authentic and not trying to be, pretend to be something you're not is a really important part of that. Thank you, Naomi. And one of the things that's also come out sort of in the leadership trends, in addition to authenticity, is this concept of inclusiveness, particularly in sort of our more fragmented society at the moment. What kind of roles and responsibilities do you feel that we have as a leader for to be inclusive, to promote inclusion and, and also diversity, but not necessarily just the five sort of 
quite common minority groups more, I'm talking more broadly. Michael, could you maybe start off the conversation on that side? Very interested in hearing your thoughts. Sure, yeah. I think exactly what you just said, there's more to DNI than the, the, the five groups. I think there are many uh, introverts that we're not always giving the opportunity to listen to because they would never stand up in a town hall or raise their hand in a meeting or especially not in a Zoom call. But there are ways and there are technologies that are actually helping introverts to have a voice right now. And that's when you use something like Mentimeter or other voting tools where you anonymously can be part of a conversation. I actually used, uh, together with some of my colleagues, we were challenged by a large insurance company to come up with ideas for a, a global le- a senior leadership meeting. But the, the CEO told us that there would be new people in the room who had just been promoted to leaders, who had never met the others, who were quite young, who were quite new to the organization, and maybe had more timid in their role. So we came up with this using a tool on their mobile phones where one, they could vote, two, they could ask questions to the senior leaders, to the CEO, the CFO in the room. And it really helped. It helped them bring together that they were ensured that their voice was heard, but also that the questions they otherwise might feel, oh, is this too embarrassing to ask, Mm -hmm. uh, actually turned out to be questions everyone wanted to know the answer to. So it actually opened an opportunity for them to have conversations in the breakout mm-hmm. with their colleagues because they, they would go out and say, actually, it was me who answered, who asked that question. What do you think? And I, I, I was listening in on some of the conversations going on, and it really brought the new with the old together. And Naomi, your thoughts? Yes, I, I agree with, with everything that Michael's said. Uh, one of my favourite phrases is, you know, that we have to start looking at inclusion over diversity, really. And if diversity is getting a dinner invitation, then inclusion is adapting and making sure that everyone enjoys the meal. And leaders need to stop seeing inclusion as a problem to fix and more as a solution to matters that are, you know, often common to companies about how can we be more innovative and that this needs to come through in our comms so that it's a, a systematic approach, not, not an isolated one that we take. And it's it's within everything we, we sort of do. So as well as targeted initiatives, you need you need a coherent strategy to ensure, ensure that working practices across the organization support an inclusive culture, which embraces difference. I think really key to this as leaders is being really aware of our own unconscious bias. You know, I come from a, a mixed race background and there are things about me that are diverse, but I don't understand everybody else's viewpoint. Uh, and we, we all tend to surround ourselves with people from similar backgrounds and education and who think like us. So, so being open to that and, and being aware of your own unconscious bias is, is really important. And then as Michael said, it's about adapting to make sure you get the most out of a wide range of views rather than trying to make people slot into to your agenda. Something I'm trying very hard to sort of to fix in my own thinking is, you know, when I'm recruiting or when I'm talking to people thinking, oh, you know, that, that isn't how we do things or that person won't fit in to our culture. You know, it is about flexing and embracing that. Certainly in my senior management team and my comms management team, I surround myself with people who think very differently to me. And that helps my own thinking as a leader to be more inclusive. So Naomi, continuing on from the inclusion theme, we had a bit of chatter on Twitter before this recording this episode. 
And Hel Reynolds is keen to have your take on fostering creativity in a team. So for instance, what are the challenges and benefits of teams with more neurodiversity and a mix of people with different perspectives and experiences? And and Michael, you're obviously very keen to hear your thoughts too. Yes, I mean, it's absolutely important. I mean, communications teams are, we're all creative and we're, I think we're we're needing that creativity after several months of a lot of doing and responding to crisis comms. It's really important. And, you know, as I was saying earlier, if you really want to be inclusive and you want to have a wide range of views, which are then going to make you more innovative and bolder and more creative, it's got to be a part of your processes and not a standalone thing. And you absolutely have to make time for it. So whatever communications model you're using to design your campaigns, you know, fundamentally as communicators, we have to spend a lot of time understanding our audiences and their needs and the desired outcomes. And the more time you put into that, the more you'll get that sort of inclusive train of thought and more innovative thought. So that would be my absolute fundamental to spend a lot of time on the beginning bit of the campaign planning, not rushing to the ideas. And and that and you know, as Michael said, make sure you have a wide range of ways in which you can get that thought into the creative process. And then I think the creativity follows more naturally. No, I totally agree with you, Naomi. I think uh, having those different aspects of people's strengths and experience into the process using um, either a Miro board or a a Teams chat where you capture everything and everyone can find everything that's been shared. I think it's a way of bringing people's strengths together and come up with really, really creative solutions that helps the teams work together uh, moving forward. I think this this year has really shown how we, even from the comfort of our homes and not having to travel, are, be, are able to spend more time on being creative, are able to spend more time on collaboration. We just need to find the, the ways of doing it. And we need to, and I think that's where the role of a leader come in, uh, ensure that everyone feels comfortable being part of the process. And also that you take that holistic approach as a leader uh, to how your team is working and what we're trying to achieve as a team. I think the holistic approach combined with the creativity of a collaborative team is a way of really getting things done, whether it's an internal or an external campaign, whether it's public relation, internal communications or crisis management. Well, well said, Michael. I agree completely. Now, let's ta- let's take a look at this from another perspective. We've sort of talked about what leaders can do for their teams and sort of leaders looking at the leadership qualities. We have a lot of students as well and people starting out in their career who are IABC members. And I was just wondering, did you have any advice for people starting on their journey? I know for me it was quite, you know, I can remember back that far, it was quite daunting. And what are your thoughts? I think mentorship is is the way you need to go about it. You need to identify someone who can be your mentor. I mentor two, two three people at the moment, and, and I get a lot out of it myself. But I think it's that kind of conversation you're having with between mentor and mentee. And IBC actually has a mentor program that's run through some of the regions and chapters. And it's a way of bringing people either with different skills or someone who wants to move from one part of the career to another part of the career or from one skill set to another skill set. Or as you just mentioned, people just coming off school, university and moving into our profession. How do I get about getting a career? How do I 
when I'm challenged by, by my, my employer, what do I do? Where can I find the right information? Where can I find the right resources? And I think having a mentor really helps. And as a mentor, I get a lot out of it. I get a lot out of what's happening today. What are young people involved in? What are their challenges? What are some of the creative solutions they come up with? So I think there's a lot we can uh, learn both parts from a mentor-mentee position. I'm also a very, a very passionate mentor as well and I agree with you completely that I just I get so much in return and it feels good to be giving back and, and sharing with other people and being able to tailor as well your advice. How about you, Naomi? Do you have advice for people starting out in their career and um, looking to become a leader and, and, and what first steps should they be making? Well, I definitely agree with both of you. I think uh, mentoring and being a mentee are absolutely critical things at the beginning. I would also just add sort of three other things that I would advise to people starting out. Number one would be spend 70% of your time listening. So being a good communicator is, is fundamental to being a leader. But being a good communicator is not about being a good talker and really, really listening and reading the room and understanding people is so critical so it's not about talking it's actually all about listening I think throw out the image of what you think a leader should be that kind of dated stereotype of the really bolshy person in the suit is is long gone um you know think about who really inspires you you know look at leaders that you you know really look up to and that will help you to understand I think the kind of leader you want to be and a leader who thinks they're perfect is not a good leader. Just just know it's all about ongoing personal development. You know, keep working at it um, and, 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 and know that no one was, people might be born with leadership attributes and skills, but they, they aren't a perfect leader straight away. Uh, and as we were talking about right at the beginning, also think about what your vision is and what you want to pursue. And in order to be authentic, you really have to, you know, put that into practice. So if you say, I'm all about, you know, increasing the talent pool at our company, then you've got to actually go out and, and, and kind of meet those objectives. So those would be my main things. Where your your money where your mouth is, so to speak. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's all the phrase of, you know, uh, of wing it till you make it is long gone. <laughs> it's all about actually really knowing your And I really love the the fact that you were saying and, and I think Michael we've also talked about that as well. That that old fashioned idea of the power suit, the the traditional idea of dictator, a leader is um, long gone out of the window, especially with what's happened in the past year. Those attributes such as the vulnerability and what we were talking about with inclusion is is really what what's being appreciated and and getting the results nowadays. Can I? Add, I also think. Another advice I give to young people is all about networking. You need to network. You need to network inside your organization where you're working. You need to network within associations, within communities, get active on LinkedIn, because people out there who you are not connected to yet, to you yet may be your future employers, your future colleagues, maybe your future employees. So start networking at a very young age. Uh, and, and networking is more than Facebook. It's more than likes. It's it's about sharing. It's about asking questions. It's about coming up with solutions, ideas. That's how you network. I couldn't agree more with that, Michael. And if I'm really honest, it's been a hard year and it's been a hard year for us as leaders as well. 
And I wouldn't have got through this year if it wasn't for the camaraderie and support from the communications community. And so, you know, we look at everyone else and we think they've all got it perfectly, you know, sorted and people don't. Uh, and as Michael said, you can share ideas and you can also see that everyone's in the same boat and there's that camaraderie that comes with that. Absolutely. And so what are your personal New Year's resolutions for leadership? Have you got any things that you've picked out for yourself personally that you want to look at for 2021? I think one of the things that we have seen is that the organisations who are agile and who have been quick to turn around the way they either deliver or stand up or show and demonstrate what they can do to to communities, to organisations, to clients, are the successful ones. Uh, And I think whatever 2021 may, may be, we need that agile approach. We need that agile thinking. And it's definitely something that I think of more and more that sometimes we have internal processes, internal ways of doing things that gets in the way of being agile. And we need to question those and challenge those. We need to think about how can we work together, but do it in an agile way. Um, so there are many agile methodologies out there. And I think we need to think agile in our communications approach as well. And just drilling down into that a little bit more, Michael, the whole idea of sort of leadership habits and and changing one little thing at a time to get towards those bigger goals, a bit like, you know, getting fit and committing to go to the gym twice a week to, to get yourself on that journey. Are there any things that you're thinking of to to get yourself into that ultimate agile base that you were talking about? Well, I think it's about questioning things. It's about challenging others when they start saying, but we don't do that, this is the process. And you, you need to ask them, why is this the process? It was the process, but why does it need to be the process for 2021? If we want to follow suit with some of the successful companies out there who are really turned around and become very agile and become very nimble and quick in how they respond to the market, we need to be the same. So why do we need to have 10 people approve a comms before it goes out? Mm -hmm. If the comms manager is empowered to do something, the comms manager should also be empowered to do something without having 10 people approving the process. So sometimes it's about questioning and challenging. Absolutely. And Naomi, what are your plans for your New Year's resolutions on leadership? I think to just continue to be open to new thoughts and ideas. You know, I've been in my role 12 years, so you can become a bit uh, fixed and all. We tried that eight years ago and it didn't work. So I want to just continue to be bold Uh and listen to new ideas. I think every leader should go on an active listening course every few years. I did one last year. It's a very dangerous trap to fall into thinking you know everything. So I think that's critical. And lastly, I think you can't lead well if you're exhausted. So I need to take care of myself. Uh, 20 weeks of homeschooling and managing our company's response to the pandemic uh, was really hard. (laughs) And so I just think actually well-being, which I know has been bounded around a lot this year, is really critical for leaders as well. We need to live by example and look after ourselves so we can be good leaders. So I want to... I'm traumatised by the homeschooling as well. I think teachers should be paid double. And did you did you have any habits that you wanted to put in place or break personally to achieve achieve that? Yes, I think just really so sort of striking that 
balance of, of work and home life. Uh, we've done a lot about it at my current company because your day can just sort of drift into evening and your, your work your environment is your home environment. So actually sort of decompressing and having some time, you know, at the end of the day to, to move it, you know, to, to move from your work day to your home life is, is really important. My CEO does this fantastic thing where he plays half an hour of music as he's ending his working day almost like he would on his drive home. And I think that's an excellent thing that I'm going to try. I was going to say, I'd love to um, be in his last meeting and um, be able to help choose the track. He plays an instrument or <laughs> he plays an instrument or just? No, it's just the radio. <laughs> so last parting thoughts or any tips that you wanted to share? No, I think what Naomi talked about, about the mental health is so important. It's been a challenging year for all of us, more for people who have maybe smaller homes and have had children at home at some point, both partners at home working from the same t- kitchen table or dining room table. And you sometimes in calls hear the other person on the call as well. And I think we need to take care of ourselves. We need to find ways of getting that space of going for a walk, either together or alone, just simply uh, get fresh air, get out there, get some sun, especially here now in the northern Europe when we're getting into the grey area or time of the year, even getting out a few half hours in the morning and during the midday and the afternoon and the evening is so important to our mental health. Get the blood running and get some Absolutely, and keeping those connections up as well. Yeah, and and one thing that I've done is when I do my my walks, I actually take a call. I call someone, and and we have a call while I'm walking, and it really refreshes your mind, and it also gives an opportunity to do that networking and connection. Uh, and it may be someone you haven't spoken to in a while, so you can catch up on things. Uh, and what Monique said before, really listen, listen to what they're saying. Um, it could be a new opportunity. It could be a new business opportunity, a job opportunity, but it could also be a way of of supporting them, sharing with them what you're doing to keep your mental health going. Um, The only other thing I've thought about was sort of around imposter syndrome. So maybe around the point where um, we were talking about advice to people starting out. I think I would just say... So for anyone kind of starting out in their career, you know, just know that even the best leaders suffer from imposter syndrome and we can all feel that we're not good enough. But actually a leader that suffers from a little bit of imposter syndrome every now and again and just seeks to overcome that is what makes them a good leader. And and just to kind of if you start out with some of the basics we discussed, then then you're really halfway there. I think that's a really fantastic or fascinating uh, topic to talk about because it's not something that people really talk, leaders really talk about until they actually do feel comfortable and they've kind of got over that bump. And it was personally through being mentored that I, I on my leadership journey, realised that that was something that a lot of people faced and they were just trying to cover it up. Thank you so much, Naomi, and thank you so much, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today about leadership, about what 2021 will bring and how far we've come in the past year. I feel very honoured to speak with two experts. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us.